Hey everyone, welcome to a breaking news update. The date is July the 16th, 2014. I'm joined on the line by Mercy Pilkington of Goody Reader fame. And Mercy, Kindle Unlimited is the new service that Amazon published a little bit early. It doesn't look like they were ready to tell the world all about it, but we know a lot about Kindle Unlimited. Tell me what you know. Uh, basically, it sounds like Amazon has a catalog. They're claiming about 600,000 titles. And as you can tell, that's obviously really small compared to their overall sales offering. Um, so it'll be interesting to find out exactly what titles, what publishers are represented. Are they opening this to indie authors? And is this a requirement for publishing on Amazon if you're an indie author? Are you required to put your book in the subscription service? Um, so it'll be interesting to get more details as they come out. Well... Mercy, it sounds like you have a lot of questions about this, and I have a lot of answers. None of the big five publishers are contributing content to Kindle Unlimited as of this date. So HarperCollins, Simon & Schuster, Penguin Random House, Macmillan, and Hachette are not contributing titles to this. But small boutique publishers are. We're seeing titles by Algonquin, Bloomsbury, Halton, Milfin, Harcourt, and Workmen. And we're also seeing titles from Harry Potter, The Hunger Games trilogy, The Lord of the Rings trilogy, and any title that has been published uh, with any of Amazon's official imprints so uh, we're familiar with a lot of the imprints uh, that they run and um, so this is perhaps a way that Amazon self-published authors you know people that publish with uh, Kindle Direct Publishing but also anybody that publishes under uh, the imprints like Day One, New Harvest, uh, Thomas and Mercer, uh, Amazon Crossing, things like that. Uh, what are your thoughts about um, indie authors having their titles available in Kindle Unlimited? I can see right off the bat that you're going to have some griping if this is not optional. So basically, indie authors got into the status of self-publishing because they wanted choice and control. And I think if this is not an optional offering, I think you're going to see some complaining and possibly some authors pulling their titles down. They would be stupid to do so, and I'll say that flat out. Anything you can do to put your book in front of readers that will even give you a hint of monetizing is a good thing. But a lot of indie authors don't get that. They keep griping over price points and free giveaways and things like that. It's promotion. You've got to get your book in front of people. Uh, we Actually today, you and I were just talking before the show about Scribd reaching out to different, different news outlets with a quote from their CEO and explaining that this is a great thing. Competition in the industry means that is a viable model. And that's, that's wonderful considering that we're not getting a lot of support from the big five. So even though subscription services as they stand, like you said, are not getting this kind of support with best-selling content from household name authors, they're still getting enough of a market share that Amazon has decided to get in on the game. And that's what indie authors have to understand. This model is viable and indie authors' books are already available for subscription lending through Scribd and Oyster if they're in the Smashwords catalog. So you know, because you actually self-publish with Amazon, that you could get exclusivity uh, through Amazon uh, with a program that includes your book being uh, loaned out for free in the Kindle Lending Library. And every time you know someone uh, reads that book or checks it out for free, you actually get paid for it. 
Do right. you see the possibility of Kindle Unlimited as just being another check mark that's check marked by default, and it's up to the you know the publisher that that's releasing a lot of titles in an account, or it's you know uh, an author who's you know uploading their work and Kindle Unlimited, Kindle Lending Library, or you know checked on by default, but the onus is on the author themselves if they don't want to opt in for those programs. That's possible. I will say that Amazon. It is front and center. When you enroll your book in KDP Select, the exclusive program, it is right there at the top. Enroll this book in KDP Select. But currently, as it stands, the author has to go to the step of, like you said, checking that box and, and enrolling it. I think the concern comes in because staying in Select is automatic. That is not a decision the author has to make in an ongoing way. You actually have to go into your account tell the, the system, take my book out of select and then wait until the proper date for it to actually come out. And so you're right. It's, it's like we're offering it to you the first time and then you're, you're with us until you actually go in and make a purposeful effort to get out. Um, I think what's really going to be important about this is this is a way that authors can get their books in another level of subscription if they are exclusive. So right now, if your books are not in select, and your book is listed everywhere, including Smashwords, <clears throat> excuse me, then you're in the Overdrive catalog if it meets the guidelines, and you're in the Scribd and Oyster ebook subscription catalogs automatically if you're listing your book as a premium title through Smashwords. But if you put your book in KDP Select, you can't be in Smashwords. And so I think this is another way that Amazon's able to wave that flag and say, hey, authors, look over here. Now we've given you subscription lending, and so people can, can see your book much more easily. They're much more likely to take a chance on you because they've already paid for the month. They've paid that $9.95. They've read the great titles they were waiting to read, and now they're browsing for something else to look at, and they'll take a chance on you because they know they didn't pay to do it. It was included. So we all know that Amazon purchased Goodreads uh, last year. And this is an ebook discovery site. You know, a lot of people talk about books, talk about, you know, ask questions to authors directly, uh, form book clubs and, and online communities. Do you think that Goodreads will play a role in this new subscription service? Because, you know, obviously you want to hear about books that you wouldn't otherwise know about it. A lot of people. Uh, would be remiss if they can count 10 indie authors on their hands, you know. Um, so do you think that Goodreads will play a role in the way that Kindle Unlimited titles are presented and, and perhaps aid the average reader with ebook discovery? It's very possible, but I think what we're going to see first is that working in reverse, um, basically piggybacking off um, the point I was just making about auth um, excuse me about readers being willing to take a chance on an author because they're not having to pay for it. They want their money's worth. They want that nine ninety five a month worth of reading material, but at the same time, it's not a new intentional purchase where they've had to risk their funds on some book they've never heard of and some author they've never heard of. So once that starts to happen, I think we're going to see a rise in activity on Goodreads. And I, I really hope that indie authors see a, a surge in traffic on their books and on their reviews as people start to borrow titles that are in their unlimited package. They're all-you-can-eat Netflix-style consumption. And then as they stumble on some book and decide, why not? I've got time. I've already paid. I'll read this one next. And then carry that over to Goodreads. Whether they felt very strongly about the book in either direction, they may have loved it, they may have hated it, 
they may have given it four stars for some reason that no one knows about. And then uh, they go over to Goodreads with it and give that book a lot more traffic and a lot more attention. So do you think that Kindle Unlimited would be a viable alternative to Scribd, to Oyster, to uh, all of these new subscription ebook sites that have arisen in the last few years? One of their prime benefits is that big six or big five titles are committed to the platform. In some cases, you, you'll mostly see backlist titles, but in some cases, you'll see actual frontlist titles uh, under those platforms. If Amazon doesn't get any titles from the big five publishers, do you think that Scribd and Oyster have anything to worry about? Actually, I'm, I'm looking in my crystal ball, and this is completely my own opinion. I really see this furthering Oyster and Scribd as the big five stick it to Amazon. Um, as you mentioned, they already have the platform incorporated. They're not putting their, their top selling books in there. They're putting their backlist and their midlist. But I see them taking baby steps into putting some of these new titles and really throwing their support to these two outside companies. And so then what's going to happen? You know, and basically in their effort to say, hey, look, Amazon's not the top dog in this case. You know, here we've got our titles with these two companies. Um, I would actually have to wonder if Amazon is going to purchase one of those two companies before this is over, uh, basically to get their hands on the books. Um, and again, that's down the road. That is complete humble speculation. Um, but I, I really see this being a good move for Oyster and Scribd as more companies throw their support to them over Amazon. Yeah, I mean those those ebook subscription services. They they are compelling acquisition targets. They're certainly getting a lot of users. They have apps now on on most platforms. I know recently, I think it was was it Scribd or Oyster that just released a new Windows phone app. Oh, that was Scribd. Okay, so. Right. I guess, uh, you know, the, these guys are making, a, yeah, it was Scribd. So a lot of these, these companies, you know, they have apps now on every major operating system and they make them tremendously accessible. And a lot of them are, you know, either bootstrapped or have private investment into the companies. And, you know, they're seeming to be very appealing because when it comes down to it, not only is their catalog and, and their relationships valuable, but users are valuable as well. A lot of, uh, you know, a lot of companies involved in game development for iOS or Android, they actually put a monetary value on each user. And so when they, you know, uh, run advertising campaigns, they know that for every user that they get, they're worth generally around $5.50. So, you know, you got to figure that Scribd's user base is fairly valuable because these are all people that are avid readers and they've registered on a platform, whether they use it or not, because they love subscription reading. So I can see this data as being hella valuable uh, to a company like Amazon. One of my final questions, Mercy, is the big five. Obviously that this is a new platform and the big five aren't contributing content as of yet, but do you see them eventually coming around? Certainly if Amazon could offer compelling data figures. You know, we have this many registered users enrolled in the program, this many people are asking for your titles, why don't you give us your backlist or, or your midlist? Do you think that 
the eventually those big publishers will come around? Or do you think that there's enough anti-Amazon sentiment uh, in the air due to ongoing disputes with Hachette that authors and publishers are trying to keep Amazon at a, a distance? Actually, I, I see it going even further than that. I see Amazon trying. I, I see them you know, showing here's our user base, here's our, our signed on membership and the amount they're paying. Um, even before we get into animosity that's taking place between Amazon and, and the publishers, is this is why the big five publishers are not putting their top selling content or their front list in say Oyster or Scribd right now because there's really not a clear picture of how they're supposed to monetize how they're supposed to pay their bills. And at the end of the day, you know, you know, I'm a big supporter of Amazon. I really hope things settle down soon for them. Um, but at the end of the day, publishers have bills to pay too. And they rely on book sales, even of those mid-list, even backlist stuff. You know, they're still selling Hemingway and, and Mark Twain to pay the bills and to let them invest in a new title. And so, you know, like I said, they've, they've got to have a better picture of how they're supposed to make money and compensate their authors when people can read all they want to for nine bucks. Um, and that's what stopped them from really jumping in headfirst with Oyster and Scribd. What I see, unfortunately, is I, I'm looking at the day that Amazon says uh, the terms of your contract to sell your books on Amazon include putting them in the Kindle Unlimited library. Um, I see them doing a little arm twisting. And like I said, I like Amazon. I hope things work out for them in this current dispute. But they do have the ability to do that, and they'd be stupid not to leverage it. And so I see them making this a condition of, of contract terms with publishers. Well, you know, Kindle Unlimited is, is a service that's not ready for prime time yet, uh, but we do know a lot about it. One thing that is very interesting, and this has seemed to be a, a contentious point of debate, is Simon & Schuster with Amazon. And a lot of people are not sure about what they're doing together. Uh, we do have reports that uh, Leslie Moonves has the CEO of, of a CBS Corp has had high-level meetings with the Amazon CEO, Jeff Bezos, They've met, and that is a definitive fact. And what they did talk about had to do with with ebooks. But beyond that, no one really knows a lot about what was said. One school of thought was that it had possibly something to do with ebook pricing, and perhaps um, there, you know, Simon and Schuster, which is owned by CBS, might be having uh, early stage negotiations with a new ebook contract, similar to what Hachette and Amazon are doing right now, and maybe they're trying to avoid any of the. You know, the drama, you know, basically, you, you can't really go a day without new Hashem and Amazon revelations coming out. It, it's, it's a very ugly contract negotiation. Maybe Simon & Schuster is hoping to have something that is uh, works for both sides. Mm -hmm. Another uh, possible reason is maybe that they were talking about Kindle Unlimited and Simon & Schuster's role in this platform that, you know, given that this is some pretty huge news, ebook subscription sites, Simon and Schuster um, helping Amazon out with some titles would suddenly add a lot of credibility to their platform. And the final school of thought is perhaps is Amazon interested in acquiring Simon and Schuster. 
given those three, you know, uh, possible reasons why those two sides met and they're very public about meeting and very public about ebooks. Do you think this, what are your thoughts on all this? I think options one and two are the most viable that first of all, that they're trying to make sure everything is in place for when the pending negotiation with Simon and Schuster comes along. Um, I'm sure Hachette and, and Amazon, the whole battle is really about, we cannot budge. We cannot give an inch. Um, one fourth possibility is that Amazon is, is really smart about this and saying, we don't want this to be a snowball effect. I'm meeting with you, Simon and Schuster. I'll meet with each person individually. I want a good faith statement that if we do cave on Hachette's terms, that the rest of you are not going to gang up on this, on us and try this. Um, ultimately, Amazon understands and they claim that all their dispute, they're working to keep the price of ebooks accessible for their readers. Um, we saw briefly during the whole, you know, lead up into the lawsuits that the price of ebooks skyrocketed. And basically, we're seeing numbers on how much American consumers overpaid for ebooks due to that collusion. And we all want to avoid that again, of course. But um, that has been one of the major sources of contention is if we lose this negotiation with Hachette, the reason we cannot budge, the reason we're digging our heels in and putting up with the internet calling us, you know, money grubbing empires is because we cannot afford to let the rest of the publishers follow suit. So possibly he was getting an assurance from Simon and Schuster that they're not going to go changing the model on how they want to sell books to Amazon to be passed on to consumers. Um, but of the three scenarios you've mentioned, I think definitely ebook pricing and getting a jump on their contract negotiations for when the time comes was certainly plausible and a, and a valid thing to worry about. But also, like you said, getting some support on board for Kindle Unlimited, um, it's going to cost money. It's going to require man hours and a whole new billing system. And so it would be nice to know before I venture into this model, do I have some titles to put in it that people actually want to read? We saw ebook subscriptions launch as early as 2010. There was nothing in them to read and no one cared and they kind of fizzled. And now that we're seeing some great and quality content from some well-known authors and a, a few of the mid-list authors with the big publishers, that's where the model is starting to pick up again. And I think before they launch this, they want to go that route. And I'll say you and I were kind of joking before the show that this whole revelation today about Kindle Unlimited seems to have been accidental. We were kind of joking that someone may have said, hey, and this is what the website will look like and accidentally made it go live. And so that's entirely possible that, you know, Amazon was showing Simon and Schuster a walkthrough of the Kindle Unlimited opportunity and accidentally published it. Um, so that that kind of leads me to think item number two there may have been the, the most credible well, we do know the price. We do know a lot of publishers. We do know that the types of titles that will be available. We know the exact number of titles that will be available. But there's a lot of un uh, uh, unanswered questions, such as uh, how would authors be compensated if you belong to an Amazon imprint like uh, New Harvest and you have your books enrolled in, in Kindle Unlimited, how much do you actually get paid if someone uh, borrows your book? And is that 
value different from then when if someone actually purchases your book uh, through the normal Kindle store. Uh, the same goes with indie authors. There's different rates depending if you're enrolled in KDP Select versus that if you just publish with uh, Kindle Direct Publishing. And what are the different figures? We know that they pay a certain amount of dollars if someone uh, borrows your book for free as part of the Kindle Lending Library. But what happens if the, with the Kindle Unlimited? Is it the same value? Is it a different value? There's a lot of uncertainty. So do you think that this uncertainty, Mercy, will influence indie authors being excited about this because I see this as being very legitimizing for for indie authors that finally you know they don't have to sell their books at 99 cents or give it away for free to get eyes on their book they could sell their book at a respectable sum of money knowing that if their title is involved with Kindle Unlimited all they really have to do is promote the fact that readers can read all their books for free I do, and I think my only concern on on the part of the indie authors is that the process is already losing its intuitive nature. There, again, I love Amazon, but there are a lot of hoops to jump through. Like the fact that you just said your book has to be in select to get a certain royalty, and if it's not in select, you don't get that royalty. That's true in some of the countries, but not all the countries. You know, and that's the thing. So it's not a, a streamlined intuitive process. Now we're seeing news reports of, you know, it's been a known fact, but it's not been really highlighted that you can't have a 70% royalty if your ebook is not priced at least 20% less than your print edition from CreateSpace. I mean, so that's the thing. There's so many hoops to jump through that a lot of authors just don't get it. And I think I'm very concerned that this is going to cause a lot more confusion because now we've added a third layer of borrowing. You already have the option when you enroll your book in, a, in KDP, um, just upload it, excuse me, to, to KDP. You have the option already to let the purchaser lend it one time. Then you've got the, do I put it in select to get it into the Kindle owner's lending library? Now I'm going to add the layer of, do I enroll it in Kindle Unlimited? And what are the steps I'm going to have to take there or exclusive agreements to get it in there? And so, unfortunately, the process is losing a lot of its intuitive nature. And I think it's going to shut down some authors. I think they're going to throw up their hands and quit because, you know, they may have a great book, but they don't have the know-how to get this process going and to understand all the ramifications. So I hope Amazon does a great job with tutorials, with spreading information, with reaching out to the authors that have had books in their catalog for a long time, and really making sure that people understand all the different layers of being an Amazon author. All right. So this has been a breaking news update on Kindle Unlimited. If you have any thoughts, drop a comment uh, below and we'll address all of the comments if you'd like to weigh in on anything that we mentioned or if you feel like that we've not talked about something that was important to the issue today. Uh, simply let us know. And everybody, thanks for listening and take care.